challenging men to be great men. Don't just be a male, be a man, a great man. Welcome to the Great Man Podcast with your host, New York Times bestselling author and leader of men, Stephen Mansfield. Gentlemen, we begin. I want to talk to you about an element of great manhood I don't think I've ever addressed before in this podcast. I'm sure I've addressed it elsewhere, but probably not in this podcast. And it's this. It's an important one, by the way, given what we're living through today. We who are men and who are attempting to live out a code, uh, a vision of noble, great, righteous manhood, we must recognize that we are part of a fellowship of men in the world. This is how I want you to think of yourself, that we are not just individuals who are pursuing uh, manly greatness and manly servanthood and and all the glory of what it means to be a man and to be positive, uh, be a positive impact in our country and our families and our societies. Um, we are not just individuals. We are part of a fellowship of men on the earth. Uh, we are part of the body of manhood in this world. And I've shared this story before, but of course, I really came to understand that. I really came to see that clearly. When I was on that roof in Damascus, Syria years ago, I've told this story at the beginning of Mansfield's Book of Manly Men. And these men who were Syrians, most of them I couldn't even uh, talk, communicate with because I don't speak Arabic, um, began to, through an interpreter, ask me if I had a son. And I said, yes. And they said, well, then you have a new name. And they named me Abu John, Abu short for father of in Arabic um, and a shortened version of my son's name. My son's name is Jonathan. So Abu John was my name. And I've told that story many times. And they welcomed me to the fellowship of fatherhood and danced and celebrated and ate and partied that night in a way that changed my life. And I tell that story again uh, in the book. And I, I felt myself as I flew back on that plane, I remember feeling myself part of some uh, some fellowship of men, part of the, the the lore of men, part of the traditions of men worldwide. And it didn't matter that these guys were all Muslim and I was Christian and they knew it. And I knew it. Uh, we, we, that wasn't the issue. The issue was that they, as men, were welcoming me to fatherhood, even though, by the way, my son had been more, more than a decade before. My, my point is that I remember what it felt like to, to be, to know myself to be part of the global fellowship of men. And gentlemen, in our pursuit of noble manhood, we need to encourage noble manhood wherever we can. We need to understand its power. We need to understand its its purpose. We need to understand its cultural impact. And we need to encourage it wherever it is, uh, wherever it exists. And we need to encourage it across generational lines. We need to encourage it across racial lines, across ethnic lines, across national lines. I spend a lot of time in the Muslim world, as you know, and when I'm there, I talk to men about being great and noble men. Now, they know I'm a Christian, and I'll use biblical examples, and I'll speak of my faith, and I, I, I leave that the, the, the ongoing question of conversion to God. 
but I will absolutely talk to a room full of Muslim men. I sometimes speak to the atheist society on Christian campuses. On, on, I mean, not on Christian campuses, on, on university campuses. They, they'll ask me to come speak because I'm the fairly relatable evangelical. I've done it many times. And I'll talk about manhood. Uh, not as a secular thing. I always speak about God. You know my approach. I believe God made manhood, and I believe you're, you're, you rise to being the best man you're called to be, made to be, when you recognize God as the author, invite him into your life uh, to shape you and mold you and heal you and transform you. I talk about those things to everybody. I've spoken to Buddhist groups. I've spoken to every kind of group about manhood. And it's not that I'm insecure about who I am religiously. I'm absolutely not. Uh, it's just that I believe that we are part of something global, part of something powerful. And a lot of what we're dealing with in this country, in the United States, is because uh, we there have been policies, there have been cultures, uh, there has been abuse that has diminished the role of noble manhood in certain cultures, in certain contexts, and we are paying for it. Uh, I, you know that I walk very closely with the African-American community, not just because of what I do in D.C., but also because I have uh, quite a few African-Americans in my family. I love it. I care about it. I've lectured at the, some of the major black universities. I've written books about prominent African-Americans. I'm not saying it gives me a black card or anything like that. I'm just saying this is why I, I care so much. And I'm keenly aware that many of our policies, not to mention slavery, not to neglect mentioning slavery itself, reduced African-American manhood. It distanced the father. It damaged fathering. It damaged the role of the man in African-American culture. And so we deal uh, in in the African-American community today, today, we deal with a huge scourge of fatherlessness. It's absolutely damaging us. Uh, and that, that's not that's to take nothing away from the legitimate protests of late uh, about African Americans being mistreated in police hands. You know where I am on that. I've already spoken about it. I'm a law and order guy who also believes there needs to be reform when it comes to these killings that have happened. And by the way, there need to be rep- reparations uh, in these particular legal situations. But all that aside for right now, what I'm saying is we are dealing in this country with damage that has happened to people we ought to care about because there have been government policies and there's been a a heritage of slavery that has diminished and damaged the role of men and the role, therefore, of fathers in the African-American community. So we as men, whatever your ethnicity, whatever your background, whatever your skin color, we need to care about manhood, about fatherhood in the African-American community today, just like we do in the Hispanic community, just like we do need to in the Native American community, just like we need to in an immigrant community, just like we need to in the uh, Arab Muslim community, let's say in Detroit or in Dallas. We need to care about it in all those places. Because good men, noble men, good fathers, noble fathers will impact society. They will make a difference. They will will transform things. They will work against evil. They will raise up strong families. They will raise up vibrant, accomplishing women. You understand what I'm saying. I don't mean to say raise up women as though they are responsible to grow them. They will encourage is probably what I should have said. And so this is what we need to be about. We don't need to be about just our own families, just our own church groups, just about our our own immediate culture or tribe. We need to be encouraging noble manhood worldwide. 
I'll walk through a park and there'll be an African-American father playing catch with his son. And then maybe the ball comes my way and I pick it up and throw it to that uh, little little kid. And I'll say, man, how, how much fun to play catch with your dad in the park. I'm doing whatever I can just to affirm and to say I'll wave to the dad. He'll smile and give me a thumbs up. And what I what am I doing? I'm trying to affirm something. I'm trying to say something. There's something important going on. Did I do it because he's black? No, I did it because he's a man with his son and he's playing catch in the park and he's taking time and he's engaged and he's involved. I don't know the circumstances, but here's a father involved in his, in his, in his son's life. I'm going to affirm that wherever I find it in the world. I've been walking in parks in Erbil, Iraq, and walking with somebody who could interpret for me. And I, I see fathers and sons and brothers playing the uh, playing soccer, and I'll, I, when I when I when they pay any attention to me, because an American walking up is unusual, and I'm kind of larger than most Americans, so I they they take notice of me, and some of them will know who I am. Um, I'll say something affirming. Uh, how great to be in the park with your father playing soccer. How great as a family. I'm so proud of you guys for doing that. And they'll they'll smile and love it and talk through the interpreter back to me. What am I doing? I'm, I'm applauding them. I'm saying yes. I'm saying amen. I'm, I'm saying this is what we need to be doing. I'll encourage it however I can, wherever I can. And this is where we need to be. You need to be concerned that fatherlessness is a plague in the African-American community in the United States. Why? Because the community won't heal until men take their roles. The community won't heal until men are the fathers they need to be. I don't mean that as a rebuke. I mean it as a positive thing. There's, I'll tell you what, I... I'm in a culture in D.C. because of the church I attend, it's largely African-American. And, and I, I, as you guys know, I help just about very small percent uh, chaplain the Redskins. And so I'm around a lot of real manly men and their sons and their families. And there's nothing more powerful than a fully engaged African-American man. I'll tell you what, it's amazing to see what the, what, how it transforms. It's amazing to see the impact that it has. There's nothing more powerful than a fully engaged Hispanic man, fully engaged white guy, fully engaged Native American. And yeah, history, abuse, slavery, stolen land, all the things we know to be uh, curses and cancers in American history worked against noble manhood, killed the men, diminished the men, made people wards of the state. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, and so we need to see a restoration. All of us need to care about that. All of us need to encourage that. All of us need to, in our church, in our men's groups, in our bands of brothers, all the groups we have influence in, we need to be reaching beyond just our ethnicity, just our small group. Uh, I, I, I'm not trying to turn your band of brothers into the UN. You need to have the band of brothers who are meaningful and significant to you. But we need to be encouraging this broadly. I'm not going to be happy with a noble men's movement unless it's transforming cultures, unless it's changing things. You know that one of the reasons I'm waiting for coronavirus to end is, or at least to get manageable, is so I can get back to Latin America where I was heading four months ago um, and get down there where feminicide is huge in Peru, in Lima. The murder of wives by men is the highest in Lima, Peru of any other city in, in the world. And it's because of social changes that have men, uh, women rising and men not so much. Uh, and I, I can't wait to get there and speak and give out free books and take speakers down there and do conferences. That's why I formed a 501c3 for great men. And, and we're going to get that thing funded and we're going to go to places like Peru where people can't, you know, a man can't necessarily afford uh, in other parts of Latin America where men can't necessarily afford to, you know, pay for a conference, stay in a hotel, fly in a plane, uh, get a whole passel of books, pay, you know, all of that. No, 
We're going to make it affordable. We're going to make it doable for men. I hope everywhere on earth. So all of this to say, see yourself as part of a culture, part of a fellowship, part of a body of men who are striving, who long to be or should long to be good and noble men, good and noble fathers, good and noble influences in the community, good and noble examples. And you need to encourage that. Ask yourself right now, what are you doing in your community? If you're like most, I'm speaking mainly to Americans, although I'm grateful for those who are all over the world listening to this podcast. Um, look at your community. If like, if just for, let me speak to the Americans just for a moment. If you're like, if you are typical in your town, uh, the whites are on one side, so to speak, of the tracks. They may not be literal tracks, but you know what I'm talking about. Blacks are on another. Churches are separate. Schools are separate even though it's not technically legal to do that. And um, I'm asking, uh, let's lay aside all the political stuff. We'll, we'll deal with that in other podcasts, other movements, other, other folks in office. Right now, I'm asking you, what are you doing? When, when did black and white men get together in your town and stand before God and commit them to noble manhood? Um, when, when did you bond with Hispanic men, with Asian men, uh, with just anybody who doesn't look like you? When was the last time you had an Arab to dinner and talked about manhood and, and maybe had an Arab guy, a couple of Muslim Arab guys or not, or Christian Arab guys come and be part of whatever you're doing to encourage noble manhood? When was the last time you had a big barbecue with, with nine or 10 bands of brothers uh, of different ethnicities around? This is what we need to do. We need to be encouraging it. And if your profession, your reach, your ministry, whatever it is you're doing, uh, has you going global, then how are you having an impact on manhood globally? Now, I'm not here to raise money. You can do it through supporting us when we when we finally can get out of our living rooms and and go do the stuff we need to do internationally. But I'm not, I'm not raising that issue of, of fundraising right now. What I mainly want you to do is think now about how you can encourage uh, the fellowship of men in your community and around the world. We're part of something bigger than us. We're part of something bigger than our immediate group. And our world is suffering for a lack of noble manhood. Why are young, violent men on the streets pulling down statues and striking at things? I would suggest it's fulfillment of that great African proverb that I think I've quoted in every book for men I've ever written. The African proverb is, if we do not initiate the boys, they will burn the village down just to feel the warmth. And I believe that's what's happening in ISIS and street gangs and the violent side of protests. You know I'm with the legitimate side, but the violent side of protests in America today, we have the answer. We need to reach across lines. We need to encourage noble manhood. We need to pass out books. We need to get people to conferences. We need to help people who couldn't get there otherwise. We need to get this message out. Men are waiting. And normally in some of these troubled cultures, you are dealing with generations of lack of fatherhood and lack of any model of noble manhood. We can turn this in our time. So let's see ourselves as part of a global fellowship of men. Let's celebrate that. Let's get practical about that. What are you doing? What can I do more? Let's ask ourselves these questions because this is what great men do. To join the Great Man community or to book Stephen to speak at your men's event, go to greatman.tv. You'll learn about Stephen Mansfield's two essential books for men. Mansfield's Book of Manly Men and Building Your Band of Brothers, as well as some other great resources for helping you become the great man you are made to be. The Great Man Podcast is a Mansfield Group production.